God damn you. It is a little strange that we have such an aversion to slavery uh, because historically there have been abuses for many people, poor people, perhaps people who weren't educated, perhaps people who had no other opportunity. Working for a gentle, caring, loving master was the best of all possible worlds. Campus is a loaded minefield. There are girls everywhere. It's guaranteed that I will pass some attractive girls as I walk in between classes. If it's not requiring her to sin, but simply hurting her, then I think she endures verbal abuse for a season, and she endures perhaps being smacked one night, and then she seeks help from the church. It would be hard for me to see how a woman could be a drill sergeant, right face, left face, keep your mouth shut, private, oh, oh, over, over men without violating their sense of manhood and her sense of womanhood. Go home. They want power, not equality. This is the highest location they can ascend to that power in the evangelical church. We are meaning makers and storytellers. And the stories we tell ourselves are the stories that shape our lives. We need each other badly or goodly. We need each other. And we keep forgetting again and again and again that we are loved. And we say, no, I'm no good. No, I messed it all up. No, I feel so guilty. No, I feel so ashamed. We need each other. In the midst of this difficult, dark, and often violent world, we need to have a community of support to which we can call all people and be a community of hope. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of The Opening. We launched one week ago. And we're making it work. We got a third episode coming out here seven days later. And been getting a lot of good feedback this week from people who are listening to the podcast and have really enjoyed it. And so I wanted to just, before we get into the topic for today, talk about um, a little bit about why I have structured the show the way that I have. Because I'm not simply just talking about um, one particular topic for, for an episode, but I'm actually going through and I'll be reading an article that I've written sometime in the past, and then I'll be providing some reflections on, on that article. And so think about, think about like you're going on a hike and you're hiking your way up this mountain. And so you're going, you're going to be spiraling your way around the mountain. And so towards the beginning of your hike, let's say you're you, you, you know, you're in maybe a field and, and you're starting to get some elevation and you're starting to uh, get into some, some trees. Maybe there's a, a stream there. And so you're experiencing all of these, these things. And then you, you hike your way around the mountain. You spiral, you're spiraling your way up and you get a little bit of a higher elevation. And, and then you're, you're, in the, you're in the thick of the trees. And so you're looking, you're now, now you're experiencing, you know, some heavier trees uh, you're experiencing maybe a, a path that somebody has has created in the past. You're also looking down at the the meadow and the stream that you were experiencing earlier. 
And so suddenly your your perspective on what you experienced earlier is now different as you're experiencing something new in, in where you're at in life now. So you spiral your way around the mountain again, and now you're you're even higher up. Perhaps maybe the trees are a little uh, more sparse. They're not quite as dense. Maybe there's some boulders that you're you're around. And so you, you may climb your way up a boulder. Now you're looking, you're experiencing this boulder, but you're looking down at this these this area of thicker trees where you were at before. And then you're looking beyond that to this this meadow with a stream uh, that you were at even earlier than that. So the higher in elevation you go, your perspective on what you experienced before changes to some degree. And and so really what I'm wanting to do with this article or with this with this podcast is is not just tackle one particular topic, but to really use that as an opportunity to, to explore perspective and to explore a, a growing awareness of, of self and neighbor and God. And, and basically, so basically, you know, my article, you know, is, is what I was experiencing at a certain time whenever I wrote the article. But then now this reflection back on it is, is kind of like spiraling our way around the mountain and looking back on what my reflection was and what my experiences were at that point. And so you can kind of imagine it like in your own life, what what you experience at age six, you, th- you experience it one way, but then when you're a teenager and you look back at what happened when you're age six and you have a different pr- perspective on it. But then when you, when you become an adult, you're on your own and you look back at when you're a teenager and when you were six, your perspective changes again and, and on and on through life. This is how life unfolds. And so really what I want this podcast to be is, yes, we're going to be looking at, at different topics that are still relevant. They're not out-of-date topics. They're very relevant to uh, religion and politics and culture and society in, in the United States today. But it's going to be more than just explicitly covering a topic. I really want to model a, a growing awareness and... Uh, and that shift in perspective as as life continues on and as we grow. So uh, in this particular episode, we're going to be uh, reading and discussing an article that I wrote called Loving Our Lonely Exile. And I wrote this on March 23rd, 2020, just as churches were beginning to shut down due to the COVID-19 pandemic. deepest wounds that I've carried in life has been the wound of identifying with lonely exile. 
Last year, as I was talking about my career in ministry with two men who have been very impactful servants of healing for me, one of them asked me what I was that I want. I immediately said, home. As far back as I remember, I felt as if I were walking down a cold, dark street on Christmas Eve, hearing the sounds of family and friends, enjoying hot meals, rich wine, laughter, and song. I've put myself out there, knocking on doors, helping people take out their trash, shoveling their snow, longing to be a part of what others are doing. I've had some really great conversations with people and have really enjoy- and have enjoyed some good laughs, but I've never really felt welcomed home. And after each conversation, following each opportunity, it would end up just being me and the stars. While I no longer have the lyrics to any of the songs that I wrote in elementary school, the songs that I wrote from junior high on through my mid-30s carry within them the wound of loneliness. During my teen years, my songs of loneliness often focus on begging my friends to love and serve God so they wouldn't end up burning in hell forever. During my 20s to early 30s, my songs of loneliness expressed how I once felt alone but could be welcomed because God chose to look at Jesus instead of looking at me. But imagining God staring at Jesus and only letting my evil, depraved self into the party because of Jesus also left me feeling very alone. God wasn't interested in really seeing me either. I was merely allowed in the room because God calmed down from his wrath toward me after punishing Jesus instead. If that's the reason God wanted me in the room, I subconsciously felt, how could I really look God in the eyes, hold his hand, touch his face, and play? Seeing my fellow Christians not only look God in the eyes, but sing and jump and dance in God's presence while awkwardly looking back at me to critique my lack of expression only served to fuel my disconnect and feelings of lonely exile. And then my theology began to change. The first clue I threw out on social media was my growing confusion over why women couldn't preach, but eventually I began to open up about some of my other doubts and questions. With each 100-comment Facebook collision, I felt like I was drifting further away. Now I no longer simply felt like an outsider. I and the friends on whose doors I had been knocking knew theologically that I was an outsider. The question at that point began to seem less about if someone would fully welcome me in, or even if I wanted in anymore, but about how far outside I had drifted and would continue to drift. Through astrophysics, we have come to learn about dwarf galaxies. These are smaller galaxies that orbit around the outside of large galaxies. In fact, there are dozens of these dwarf galaxies just outside of our Milky Way. They feel the draw of the main galaxy, but never feel fully embraced by it. Eventually, collisions begin to happen. And while the main large galaxy goes on mostly untouched, the dwarf galaxy begins to break apart. Parts of it get sucked into the main galaxy. Other parts become part of other dwarf galaxies. And many of their stars begin to drift further away, disconnected, and lost in the darkness of space. Those who are part of the big galaxy communities don't understand how those drifting stars feel. Your church will go on, your songs will be sung, your sermons will be preached, babies will be born, people will be baptized, and ministries will grow, until one day a pandemic comes along. Suddenly, it's as if there was some weird multiverse happening where the large galaxy communities have gone through a temporary wormhole and are actually experiencing the loneliness 
of drifting stars from broken up dwarf galaxies. Of course, we all know it's only a matter of time before the wormhole closes and it's back to life as usual for the big galaxies. They'll come out of it changed for sure. Their worlds will go on with songs felt much deeper than they did before. And for that, I'm thankful. Their galaxies will experience a renewed realization of the color and life that they had forgotten was there all along. But the drifting stars from the broken apart dwarf galaxies will still be drifting. I'm not asking for Christians to abandon their large galaxies. But as you feel the wound of lonely exile during this temporary wormhole you've entered, I'd love for you to become present with that wound so that when you return home, you can feel present with those of us who are drifting, who feel that exile week in and week out with no real path to being gently drawn into the galactic home that you enjoy. This presence is painful. We long to see the light of someone else's face, and we want to see their eyes light up when their eyes meet ours. And yet, this presence is beautiful. We're experiencing a part of the universe and giving ourselves to it in ways that we never knew were possible. Remember how this feels and learn to love your wounded self here. Then, having learned to love your wounded self, you'll have glimpses into how you can love your wounded neighbors who will still feel exiled. It's in seeing yourself that you can see the other. It's in being present with your own loneliness that you can learn to be present with the loneliness of others. And in the communion of common loneliness, solitude and love can be born. Perhaps in our common loving of our wounded selves, in our common solitude with our beautiful presence, we'll create a wormhole for our future selves to connect with one another once again and get a taste of wonder for the reconciling of all things. So as I look back at that uh, March of 2020, as things were beginning to shut down with COVID, and as as churches even were beginning to close their services and and go to online services, this was this was going to be an unprecedented season for for the church. Uh, this is an unprecedented season for really everyone on on the planet, and. And there was a real struggle, like, what are we going to do with this? We were all, you know, in our homes, there was, there were toilet paper shortages. And, you know, everyone began working from home, people started to discover this thing called Zoom. And, you know, we're having interesting experiences with that. I remember like people, um, you know, people almost thought it might last for like a weekend. I had some people saying, well, we'll see you in two weeks. You know, and now we're, we're what, two years later, and there's still a lot going on. And, and so I think what we've, what we struggled to do was, you know, we were struggling to even 
process what we were experiencing, let alone beginning to name what we were experiencing. And in, in this, in what my desire in this article was, was that the exile and the loneliness that evangelicals were going to experience in their homes, my desire was that th- that would give them a taste for the exile and the loneliness that a lot of people feel who have left church communities. And, and who have been drifting away from church communities that perhaps, um, you know, you, you hear a lot in these conversations about deconstruction, about how people who have deconstructed have lost family and friends and, like, so many relationships that meant a lot to them. And so I was hoping that in this common wound of exile and loneliness that the church was going to experience, that maybe there would be some kind of coming together in empathy with those of us who have been feeling that that exile from lost relationships specifically with our church family and friends for you know weeks months perhaps even years for many of us and so i think a big part of this reflecting back on this article now a lot of my attention goes to not only how do you ex- how do we experience the season that we're in but how do we name it and you know again going on that connection between the wound of exile that evangelicals could feel during covid with those of us who've deconstructed there there's been so many articles that have been coming out this past year about those you know, from evangelicals about those who have deconstructed. And and something that that is I just find it interesting is how we struggle to name, even those who have of us who have deconstructed, how we struggle to name that process for us in the season for us. So many of us don't like that word deconstruction. There um you hear it a lot in, in different podcasts that people do they're like well I don't like I don't like the word deconstruction and yet everyone seems to somehow default to that um I even noticed it last week in my article last week uh that I read in episode 2 mythical deconstruction I said decons uh in in the article I said deconstruction if you want to call it that. So even then, when I wrote that, I was really struggling with that term. I was not comfortable with it. And so you you typically see people who are going through this, they say, okay, well, maybe you have deconstruction and then reconstruction. And and so that's that's one way that people ha- talk about it. Or maybe there's a, well, well, there's a difference between deconstruction and deconversion. And, and you'll notice some confusion amongst a lot of uh, conservative evangelical pastors who they assume that everyone who deconstructs is someone who's deconverting from Christianity. And maybe that's true. Maybe that's what some people are doing, but maybe it's not. My purpose here in this conversation is not to get into all the nuances of that, but just to say we struggle to observe the fact that we struggle to name what this is that we're going through. And it reminds me when I when I first began my season of self-awareness, of of healing with 10,000 fathers, the 10,000 fathers worship school that I mentioned in episode 1. So they had us 
they told us that we needed to have God awareness and self awareness. And I thought at the time, well, my God awareness is perfectly fine, but I've never thought about my self awareness. And so what they did was they had us take out a sheet of paper and we had to write down our top 10 high points in, t- in life and our top 10 hard times in life. And so I'm writing these events. We got like, now we got 20 events on this sheet of paper here. And, and then they had us narrow that 20 to the top 10 of, you know, total. So you could have maybe eight positive, you know, eight high points and two hard times, or maybe you have two high points and eight hard times. However, that, you know, shakes out for your particular life of your top 10 most impactful experiences in life. And so then we had to take those 10 and we had to put them on a timeline of our lives. And, and then we had to begin to ask, what are some things that you're beginning to notice? And we had to, we had to think, you know, if your life was a story, are there chapters that begin to appear on this timeline? And then we had to ask, what would you name those chapters? And so as I'm looking down at this sheet of paper, like, I just began to realize that I had no idea how hurt I was. I had no idea the depth of, of pain that I had been suppressing and and that I hadn't really dealt with. You know, I had these these um these gospel theology promises that I would just confess and I would say that I believed and I really did believe them. But keeping my mind in all of that was was really shutting my awareness off of the very deep wounds that I actually still felt and that were impacting me every single day. And and so there are there are so many depths of self-awareness that we can grow into and can open up to. But we have to be willing to recognize not only the home that we desire to be a part of, but also the exile that we feel. We have to be be willing to face the wonders that we had, that we've perhaps buried, but also the wounds that have built up our defenses in such a way that has made us feel like we have to bury our wonders. And when we begin to recognize that that home and that exile in ourselves, we begin to see it in others too. The, the, just looking at your life on a sheet of paper, you'll feel very deeply like this is simply just a very difficult story to read. And this person is me. And, and, and then compassion and empathy will begin to be born in your heart for yourself. And that, that compassion and empathy that you have, that you begin to have for yourself, it's going to bleed over into compassion and empathy for your neighbors as well. And so that's what I was hoping that the season of COVID-19 would perhaps begin to grow in the church, a deepening awareness of the exile that each of us feels and then perhaps pastors could help us move 
into that and face it with compassion and empathy for ourselves in a, in a way that would be very um, unprecedented in history. What an opportunity we had to face this. And then perhaps that would would help the church begin to have that compassion and empathy for others in their exiles as well. But that's not exactly what happened. You know, churches churches around here where we live, they began to shut down in mid-March, but then by May, just a couple months later, church parking lots were full. We had churches that were suing local governments around the country, making national headlines. We had worship leaders who were hosting massive events. You know, one, one event had like 100,000 people on at the National Mall in Washington, D.C., and they're singing a worship song, It's Your Breath in Our Lungs, while people are dying from a disease that attacks the lungs. Like, talk about a lack of awareness. There was even one church that I know of that not only were they they meeting together without social distancing and without wearing masks, but they actually rearranged their auditorium to make it feel like a living room. So they're literally playing pretend living room rather than staying in their living rooms. And so what I began to realize as the year wore as the year wore on was that the problem of exile from self and neighbor and evangelicalism is far more severe than I thought it was. And I'm realizing that I I can't take on the evangelical machine with the expectation of changing it. But what I can do is to begin naming the exile from self and neighbor that I felt. What I can do is I can begin realizing that it's here in this exile that I am home. I can begin putting these experiences into words so that others who are struggling to name the exiles that they feel can begin to name their journeys as well. And that's what this that's what my writing is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. And so, you know, as 2020 wore on, as 2021 opened up, we've had a lot of exiles as a society that we've been experiencing. And, you know, there's been a lot of exiles from, from gun violence, from racial tensions, from police violence, uh, from just, a, you know, an insurrection, a... Um, you know, a presidential election with all kinds of conspiracy theories attached. There have been so many exiles that we have faced as a society, and then also just the exiles of that we've individually felt as as friends and family have been so divided on how to respond to the pandemic, on what's going on, and so some of those things are some of those exiles are going to be articles that I wrote about. And those are going to be things that we process through. But one particular exile that I want to mention is, is the exile uh, that we experienced of our, our black neighbors 
with the racial tensions and the, the police brutality that erupted in 2020. And in our next episode of the opening, uh, what I want to explore is, is how my evangelical theology disconnected me from my black neighbors. And then also, how am I beginning to heal from that? And that is going to be what we talk about in our next episode of The Opening. I don't think that the church has integrity to speak any good news at all until the church actually understands the reality that it is living and has crafted bad news in public policy. It has established theological foundations for oppression that have lived throughout the times and only changed shape over the generations, but has not been repented of. Bad theology always produces diminished psychology. Diminished psychology produces dysfunctional sociology. Dysfunctional sociology always produces oppressive anthropology, and then they always produce oppressive economics and ideologies. You see, it all flows from bad theology. Your notion of God is wrong or flawed. Your notion of self and others and power is wrong. Thank you for listening to the opening podcast with Rick Pitcock. The opening is a podcast that deconstructs the power dynamics of religious hierarchies and opens us up to healthy relationship. For more information about today's episode, please check out rickpitcock.com and follow on social media at Rick Pitcock.